Linda, thank you. Lawrence, did that bring back any memories? Uh, Johnny and Linda were in church here a long time ago and went and helped our little church down the road called Johnson Ferry. We're glad they're with us today. Linda said she watched the wedding. Uh, one of us in our home watched the wedding. You want to guess which one it was? <laughs> Men and women are different, aren't they? Our daughter-in-law bought scones. <laughs> and her mother was there visiting, and they set the clock to get up and watch the royal wedding. Yep. I imagine my son did not eat scones and watch the wedding. How many of you watched the wedding? How many of you didn't care any bit? And that's okay. That's kind of half and half. We're also different. Uh, and one of the differences in our lives, if you look at the front of your bulletin, do you see the tug of war going on there? Devil on one side, God on the other. We all have that in top. We're all right in the middle of that tug of war every day of our lives. And we all have to make a decision every minute, every second, every hour, which way we're going to go. It's a constant battle. As Christians, we have two natures within us. Both are struggling to win the war. Uh, one illustration that helps me understand this is of an Eskimo fisherman who every week would go to a different village. And he had two dogs. He had a white dog and he had a black dog. And he taught them to fight on command. And every week the dogs would fight. And one week the white one would win. And one week the black one would win. And they never knew which two would win. So they would bet every week. But the man who owned the dogs always won. And they finally asked him when he retired, how did you know which dog would win the fight? And he said, that's simple. It's, I would feed one during the week. The one that got fed would win. The other one was too weak to fight. He's, the one that is fed is always strong. You know, if we feed our spiritual lives and allow the Holy Spirit to rule in us, we will win. And if we starve our spiritual nature, we will lose. Paul puts it this way in Romans 7. It's almost like an Abbott and Costello bit, the way he does this. Uh, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does. I've discovered this principle in life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. <coughs> this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still with me. That's the battle. Before we go further, let's pray. And Lord, here we are in the middle. Help us to live victorious lives. Help us to feed the things of the Spirit, not the things. Help us in our daily walk because people are watching 
And when we get it figured out, and when we do it right, change will come. This world needs that change. Help us to enable that. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, in Aberdeen, Mississippi, when I was a minister to youth, I remember talking with a young man, and he had become a Christian junior year in high school and grew in Christ a lot junior and senior year and after the senior year he joined the National Guard. So right after graduating high school about this time of year back in the 80s, early 80s, he went to National Guard boot camp. He came to me when he got home from boot camp a little upset because he had started cursing after during boot camp. He'd never done that in his life, but during boot camp, he heard some things, and he picked it up. He said everyone did it, it's all he heard, so he joined in. And then Mark told me something I have remembered to this day, 35 years later. He said this. He said, we are like sponges, and we soak up what we are around. We're like sponges. And we soak up what we are around. And I think that's well put. Do you agree that that is true? Doesn't Colossians 3.16 make more sense? When it encourages us and says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs last week if you were with us we've been studying the holy spirit now for about five weeks last week if you were with us we equated colossians 3 16 to ephesians 5 18. don't be drunk with wine that's debauchery but be filled with the spirit and we learned that being filled with the spirit with the holy spirit and letting the word of christ dwell in us richly equated to the same thing and the reason we arrived at that conclusion it's because they arrive at the same results. Read what happens after Colossians 3.16. Read what happens after Ephesians 5.18. And the same things happen. Submission and love. They both produce the same results. So today as we continue in our study of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. Verses 16, 17, and 8. Words for us. Live by the Spirit. I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. And what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. There's that. For these are opposed to each other. To prevent you from doing what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not subject to the law. So there's the battle again the tug of war for our souls. And we're given great words to help us in verse 16. Live by the Spirit. I say, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Other translators put it this way, and I like it, and they say, walk by the Spirit. And it could be translated, keep on walking every step by the Spirit. Let's go with my friend Mark back to National Guard training. Day one, he hears the words. Day two, he hears the words. Day three, wonder how many days it took for him to just start to use the words. I don't know, he never told me that, but 
after you get filled with that and hear that and hear that and hear that, eventually they started to come out garbage in and garbage out. You've heard that before. But what if he had a picture on day one of God himself standing right next to him with a bar of soap in his hand? Do you think that would make a difference? I think it would. Did you ever get bar of soap when you were a kid? Some of us thought I agree with the basic food group. That was a different story. When our kids were little, Jeannie would use vinegar. Did you ever have vinegar put on your tongue? It's probably against the law now, but it worked back then when we had kids. And so if Mark had that picture of God with vinegar, God with a bar, so right next to him, he'd be careful what he said. He had to always remember his connection to God and God's presence. We have to always remember that. When we forget God's presence, well, we're in trouble. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We go places we shouldn't go. But if we walk in the Spirit, if we constantly seek God, the outcome will be much, much better. Let's jump ahead for a second to verses 19, 20, and 21. If you don't follow the Spirit, if you follow the flesh, this is what happens. The works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why not? Because the Spirit of God is not. If you do not walk in the Spirit, that's what is going to happen. But if you walk in the Spirit, if you always invite the Holy Spirit along, you'll never be this way. In fact, you'll always bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's other verses, and we're going to begin our study on that next week as we talk, or the week after, about the fruit of the Spirit. But back to walking in the Spirit. A step-by-step -step experience. Let me give you a little walking theology here. I didn't put the verses on the screen because there's a lot of them. Ephesians tells us to walk in humility. Romans says to walk in purity. 1 Corinthians says to walk in contentment. 2 Corinthians walk by faith. Ephesians walk in good works and walk differently than the unconverted. 2 Thessalonians walk separated. Ephesians also continues to say walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. And in 3 John we will walk in truth. And all of those but the only way to do any of those is to walk in the Spirit. And He will lead us into those things. We're told to walk in the Spirit in verse 16 because there's a battle going on. And verse 17 of Galatians 5 tells us of that battle. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. To prevent you from doing what you want. Unfortunately, this week, and any Sunday I can get up and say this, but unfortunately this week on the news, we've seen the result of walking in the flesh. Every week it's a different example. This week, the 17-year-olds in Texas shooting last week. That is the opposite of walking in the Spirit. It is walking in the flesh and having things fester so much that it begins to control him and he does the unthinkable. <laughs> shooting at a graduation in Atlanta. 
just try to watch the news. You'll see these things. People walking in the flesh make the news. Too many people are losing this battle because we have a problem with evil in our society. And as Christians, we have to win that battle every day. We have to walk in the Spirit every day. The good news, I have a birthday coming up in August. I will be 59. And as I understand it, I'm looking forward to it because I hear that when you turn 59, that's when the devil gives up on you and doesn't confront you any longer. And I'm really looking forward to that. It is smooth sailing after that. That's not true. What, what birthday does that happen? Sadly, the battle goes on as long as we do. And so, we have to line up with the Holy Spirit and not with the flesh. We have to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. We have to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. Nobody says and nobody wants and able to do what He wants us to do. As I weave Follow this study over the past several weeks, I've come to better understand the truth we see in verse 18 of Galatians 5. And it tells us this. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not subject to the law. That, that's interesting to me. If you think it ought to say if you walk by the Spirit, then the law is no problem. If you walk by the Spirit, then you're in line with the law. But what's that to me? Verse 16, walk in the Spirit, you'll carry out will not carry out the desires of the flesh. What will you carry out? You'll carry out the desires of the Spirit. So, not the flesh will win, but the Spirit will win. So walking with the Spirit means being filled richly, being dominated by God's Word. And if you do that, you're not under the law. What's that mean? It tells you this. You're no longer in a situation where you're trying to be controlled externally. When you look at a list and say, I've got to do that, got to do that, got to do that, got to do that. When you walk by the Spirit, you're controlled internally. And God will automatically make you do the things that you ought to do and need to do. We're no longer under an external restraint. We're now under an internal compulsion that makes us do what we ought to do. So we have a serious battle for and if we're going to need to win that battle, and we do, we're going to need to walk by the Spirit. As we began this study, I asked you, do you remember this, to develop a picture of the Holy Spirit? Remember that? Trying to make it, you know, you have a picture likely of God, you have a picture likely of Jesus, but could you develop a picture of, of the Holy Spirit? Friday, I saw a great picture. I spoke in a memorial service at Canton Hill Funeral Home there on Old Kenton Road and Upper Roswell Road. You know where that one is? That's where I was Friday. And the burial was at Kennesaw Memorial Park off of Whitlock. Now, ministerially speaking, that's about 200 miles away. Uh, I mean, it, it can take a while. You know how Marietta can be with traffic and red lights trying to get to Whitlock from Old Kenton. It can take a while. We had two policemen on motorcycle vessels. 
And so there was a cop at the front and a cop at the back, and one would stop the light, the other would resume. If you've ever been in a police escort, they're just like a ballet. And it was a thing of beauty, and the hearse was in front, and I was driving right behind the hearse, the family, the followers behind me. And I'm watching all of this unfold as I'm driving, and we're running every light in Cobb County, and I'm enjoying running the lights in Cobb County, and we're moving people out of our way. And I thought, what a beautiful example of the Holy Spirit. Guiding us to the destination we need to go. Moving things out of our way. And getting us there in the best way possible. Do you know what I could have done? I could have thought, why are they going that way? They shouldn't turn here. I'm going to go up to the big chicken, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Would that have been a good idea? No. It's never a good idea to get out of line. It is never a good idea to not follow the leadership of God. And I've done it. Have you? I've done it. But when we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, when we seek the Holy Spirit every moment of every day, He's going to escort us to the best places at the best time. Isn't that what you want? Let's pray for that.